Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. This episode of Listen by Gene Ginsberg is part of the Colorado Tech Startup Series. In this series, we showcase leaders of tech companies in Colorado, everything from apps, analytics, cannabis, and software, and SaaS companies to show the amazing talent that's going on in tech companies in the state of Colorado. Please enjoy this episode. Great. Gene Ginsberg here. What's happening? I have a very special guest, Adam Crabtree, and where are you? What's the name of the company again? NCS Analytics. That's right. Awesome. Well, tell me a little bit more about your company. So we build um, big data platforms for governments and financial institutions that deal in high-risk spaces. So alcohol, tobacco, smuggling, bootlegging, cell suppression, cannabis. Um, starting to dabble a little bit in opioids. Okay. So what does that look like um, in terms of? Uh, what kind of analytics platforms are those? So <laughs> maybe you can break it down a little bit more for the layman like myself. Uh, we grab um, between eight and 15 data streams, depending on the state and sector, backwards, forwards, upside down and sideways, and make these traditionally opaque and high risk industries a heck of a lot easier to understand. Um, and it's all done in near real time. Okay, so can you give me an example of what that looks like? Again, just sure, trying to break it down. <laughs> um, so we're grabbing tax information, bank accounts, um, internal accounting system, socioeconomic, demographic, GIS, our most recent and admittedly most uh, creepy data source is we now can tap utilities. So I could ping your power meters and say, hey, wait a second, for what you say you're doing, there's no possible way that's the outcome. Right. So, okay, that's interesting. So you're looking at specific data points that can potentially, mm -hmm. um, uh, I guess, pinpoint that whatever you're doing is probably not, <laughs> not what you're saying on your IRS taxes, right? Right. Okay. Um, and so this is primarily used with for governments? Um, governments and financial institutions, they okay. both struggle from the same issue. So the industries we work in, are very cash intensive. And so trying to get an understanding of what's actually going on inside of these businesses, um, it's pretty difficult from a traditional standpoint. Right, and so, um, and then, so you create these pl uh, platforms, or I guess, dashboards for mm -hmm. governments and financial institutions, and then you gather all this data and then, and then you give it to them, and then so what do they do with it afterwards? So that's, um, that's part of what we handle is we take these ginormous data sets and we run them through um, my patent pending analytics engine, yeah. um, little AI, little machine learning, all sorts of fun toys like that. And so looking at how these data streams interact on their own, but also one another and the surrounding factors, you're able to say, wait a second, for the area you're sitting and what you're saying over here, this just doesn't interact. So let's go have a conversation or maybe we should reevaluate doing business with you, things like that. Okay, so is it more for like uh, governments doing businesses with certain organizations or is it like for the IRS who can say like, hey, you're definitely not doing what you say <laughs> you're doing on your taxes or like, I guess I'm trying to understand like what are uh, the applications so for this? We don't work with the IRS. Okay. Um, most of our... <laughs> Maybe you should. <laughs> uh, um, 
most of our clients are state government. So for example, we work for California, Michigan um, in their cannabis sector. And it's just very difficult um, to get insight into what's going on in those businesses. And there's a lot of public health and safety in addition to taxation concerns. And so ensuring that these businesses are doing what they're reporting. And then from a financial institution standpoint, specifically within cannabis, there's some pretty high um, bars they have to meet set by FinCEN's guidance about being able to validate that every dollar that comes into their institution is from a state legitimate sale. And one of the only ways you can do that is with advanced data modeling. Gotcha. So, um, so if I'm a cannabis company and uh, I report certain things to the government and this so your analytics will, will let the government know if actually like I'm reporting all of my earnings. Mm -hmm. Okay, and is this for legal, like for legal cannabis or yes. medicinal cannabis? Uh, well, both. Okay. Um, we work I guess in, medicinal is legal cannabis, right? right? Yeah. Um, it's both. And it's okay. ensuring that, you know, the plants you chop down, you're harvesting the right amount out of it. The gummy bears you're making are correct as they should be. And then obviously the sales aspect are you selling appropriately? Are you having some other fun with your books? Things okay. like that. So it's kind of used for like potentially uh, monitoring like cooking books. And things mm -hmm. like that? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this is this is all very <laughs> this is all very new to me. I mean, I guess I never really realized that this was uh, this is happening behind mm -hmm. the scenes of, of cannabis companies or other companies. So how did you uh, decide to start your company? I am actually a recovering banker. Okay. Um, spent the better part of a decade here in Denver managing banks. Um, about five years ago, I was trying to figure out a way to get my bank comfortable with the cannabis aspect. And, the bank you were working for at the yep. time. Okay. Um, and I've got a mathematics background, so I started playing with analytics and predictive versus prescriptive. and. One thing led to another, and I ended up getting thrown in front of the then marijuana czar um, for the state of Colorado, and he posed the question, if banks can get to this level of detail, why can't we use it on the governmental side? And it was at that point that NCS was born. Okay. So, I mean, it looks like you saw that there was a definitely need mm -hmm. for all of that. So you work with the states of Colorado? And we aren't here in Colorado. Okay. We're in California. We're in Michigan. Our newest state is West Virginia. Um, that actually comes online in a couple of days. Uh, and then we'll be making um, hopefully two more state announcements early next year. And then we've got uh, banks scattered all over the country. Right. And so is it primarily work with like can the cannabis industry or, um, or are there other there's other we've done okay. projects in tobacco and alcohol general sales suppression as i mentioned we're starting to dabble in the opioid crisis both on the illicit side and then on the prescription side so okay i, I uh, i've got a team of analysts and basically we kind of blur the lines between a think tank and a data analytics company where essentially we just love to play in huge data sets. Oh, yeah, so where are you gathering your data sets from, just out of curiosity? Um, well, since we work for state governments, we have a lot of access into their data okay. sources so and things like that. Okay, mm -hmm. so this is not, not something that like the layman would ever have access to? Um, <laughs> they hopefully will soon have access to the data in an aggregated form because I believe in transparency. And so for Joe Citizen to go in and see some of these industries and get a better understanding of either the licensing or what's being sold or how these markets are reacting, I'm a big proponent of uh, open data. Gotcha. So it sounds like you were in the banking industry, so maybe you can share a little bit about your background. 
Yeah, um, I am one of the three Colorado natives left in this state. Uh, really? Yeah. You are a Colorado native? I mean, See? I know that, that, that yep. you are one of the three. <laughs> You're like the proud, the Marines, you know. Uh, but I did not know you were a Colorado native. Right? Uh, that's because we are rare these <laughs> yes, days. It's like uh, a unicorn. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I grew up in Western Colorado, went to um, University of Colorado three times. Um, after I was done there, one thing led to another and I ended up um, at a bank completely by accident. They uh, recruiter called and said, hey, we've got a job. You want to come in? That job didn't pan out, but evidently I did well enough in my interview that they gave me a, a bank to manage at the ripe age of 24. Um, An entire bank. Uh, branch. Okay. Um, and even though I'd never worked in a bank before, and I actually did pretty well for myself, enjoyed that, was okay. at a couple of different banks over it, and then just decided that uh, I needed to try something on my own. So you went to the University of Colorado in Boulder. Mm -hmm. And I mean, not a lot of bankers come out of that university, right? <laughs> I was just going to say, like, that's definitely not the, you know, not um, the ones you think would be, right? not a university you think where the bankers come out of. <laughs> well, and then, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying, I haven't, nothing, I mean, I haven't seen that too much. You know, usually it's like East Coast, West Coast, uh -huh, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, University of Chicago, maybe. <laughs> well, there was a, a period in between, um, finishing up the second master's and going into banking that I did have a bar for a very short period of time, but that just didn't pan out. And so it was when banking happened. So. Oh, like an actual bar. I uh -huh. thought you meant like the bar association. No, like an you actual bar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So from bars to, to yeah. banking. Yeah. Right. Okay. Awesome. This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Marketing Method Monthly Group Coaching Program, your methodology for growing your business and your social media following. Join me and my group of supportive entrepreneurs and learn how you can grow your business and your social media following where we cover topics such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, email marketing, and so much more. Go to dmgroup.online, dmgroup.online. Um, so um, tell me about some of the most recent wins you've had. I mean, it sounds like you worked a lot of... I would say our most recent is West Virginia. Um, the government out there needed help and we found some great partners and we were able to answer and win that RFP, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, RFPs are, are never the easiest thing to deal with. That's how the government does their purchasing and they're right. usually obnoxiously long documents. Yes, I have heard of RFPs <laughs> for the government and they're usually very long and also very time consuming, mm -hmm. and then also a very long process in terms of how long you wait to hear yes. back. So yes, I am, uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit familiar with the government sector, so I, uh, I understand. And then we just announced our partnership with a company called Acela. We actually did that just last week, so that's still pretty fresh. Um, they are a, a huge um, government licensing company. They're an amazing company to work with. They have a huge footprint, um, pretty relatively new startup that, uh, done some pretty impressive things so what's the what's the connection there with Acela so they handle licensing for a lot of the areas that we um, work in and so the agencies that they work for are always looking for tools to make them more efficient get a better ROI on their staff and so it seemed like a pretty perfect fit awesome well congratulations that's, Thank you. that's fantastic um, so you mentioned a little bit about challenges in the industry I mean but it sounds like this is a pretty challenging industry in general I mean what 
can you share a little bit more about you know how you're trying to solve those challenges? Yeah, um, I would say one of the biggest challenges with any um, bleeding edge tech company is helping people to understand what you do. Uh, yeah, like for example, <laughs> explaining it to me, right, or explaining to the people who are listening to this podcast uh -huh. what exactly what do you say you do here? And you're in this space, so I work with um, a lot of individuals that just assume I am peddling black magic because oh. we're able to say that this and this and this they don't equal. And they're like, how? And I'm like, do you really want to get into a neural network? They're like, no, just trust the system. So I would say that is one of the biggest challenges is trying to take advanced um, mathematics and break it down to at least a point where people can trust the systems. Um, mm -hmm. Big data is also something that people inherently dislike right now. So even though we don't um, do that type of big data, it's still something that raises eyebrows. Um, and there's just the general lack of technology in the governmental space. It's starting to get to be a bigger area where you're seeing startups focusing on government, but that's relatively new. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it seems like the government, although has pretty big budgets most of the time, is usually lacking or behind in a lot of technological things. So. I remember I spoke to someone who was a, an, a, a traffic controller and I was like, you know, what does your technology look like? He's like, yeah, it's still like from the 80s. I'm like, what the hell? Like, you think you, like an air traffic controller would have like technology that's like cutting edge, like the stuff that's like coming off the lines from like all of the, you know, the amazing tech companies out there. Well, it's that RFP we were talking about. I mean, those create their own um, barriers for smaller companies. I mean, when we were first starting out, they were very difficult to answer. You don't have the bona fides to go up against the, the classics, but because of the space that we work in, we're kind of in a bubble. We're protected from your traditional tech players who don't want to be in this space. So it's allowed us to find a niche and grow. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's right. This is what we're all looking for, right? The right niche and... Right. Growth, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, um, what are some of the new initiatives and projects that you're working on to drive your business? Um, we are expanding our research side, and um, so we do research partnerships with universities. Um, we'll be adding. Is, an, is that where you're getting some of your data from? Or, no, or um, we just get brains from them. Okay. Um, I'm a, like I said, we kind of blur the lines on that think tank slash data company. And so I like surrounding myself with um, smart people that look at data in different ways or have different uses for it. Um, so expanding on that, also we're doing a lot more public engagement, one of the reasons I'm sitting here. Um, and so helping people to understand what's possible, understand that there are tools that are geared to some of these um, issues we've got going on right now. And do you think that there's a, other applications? I mean, it sounds like you have a proprietary data system where you're feeding data and it, and it gives you some sort of like information that you can conceptualize, mm -hmm. right, as a human. So, I mean, it sounds like it can be used for much more than just, let's say, cannabis companies mm -hmm. yep. or, or governments, right? So yep. what are some of the other applications that you think potentially you can use this data for? The one I'm most excited about is opioids, um, both on the prescription side, which we've been reading a ton about in the news, um, but also the illicit side with heroin and fentanyl and carfentanil. So the same ways that we isolate the hot spotting for whether it's alcohol, tobacco, or cannabis sales, we can do on the opioid side saying, wait a second, the demographics of this area do not support this level of prescriptions, this level of dispensing. Um, 
And then when you get to the other side, the fact that we can do it all in near real time allows for resource allocation. So maybe this hospital needs to be notified that the last batch of heroin that hit the streets is actually laced with something else, which we do see, especially in the concerts um, with the kids over the summer, or the ambulances in this area should have three extra vials of Narcan in them because we are seeing this. But being able to react as it's occurring can have a huge impact on the overdoses that we're seeing, which is a, which is a big issue here in Colorado as well as across the country. Yeah, absolutely. That is definitely a big issue. Um, and so just out of curiosity, how then, I mean, it sounds like you're working with data that is coming, you know, that's reported, but what about like uses of heroin? I mean, things that are not First responders, 911, okay. poison All right, control, so that's all, that's all reported uh -huh. as well. Okay, yeah. but I mean, but not all of it will be then uh, overdoses, right? right? I mean, you you don't miss. I mean, how do you know how much heroin is being used, right? Like, I mean, I, this is a question, right? Like, um, I don't. <laughs> have you seen the show Dope on Netflix? Nope. So it's kind of a Vice esque um, docu series, um, and what really got me started was in episode two there in Baltimore, and they're with a heroin dealer, and he's talking about how good it is for his business if he kills a couple of people, because oh, then everyone, <laughs> because then they know it's strong. And okay. so then he drives clients. So if I can show, if we get three, you don't want weak heroin, right? right? I mean, I obviously, mean, if you're a junkie, you need it as strong as you can get. Um, but imagine if the ambulance comes to this city block three times in a day for expected um, drug use or something like that. Then we can hotspot. Then we can let them know that if they're coming into this area. They should probably be prepared for it to be a narcotics issue. We can notify the five or so nearest hospitals so that they're prepared to deal with that to where when they come on scene, they have the tools. Maybe we deploy a closer either law enforcement or we have ambulances in the area, things like that to where the responses are faster. We know what's going on. We can address the fact that there is something in it, even with um, fentanyl, which is you know a hundred times stronger than opioids, and then you get into the car fentanyl, which is frankly just scary. Um, being able to realize that it's on the street, even if it's engagement, you may not admit to using heroin, but if somebody's like, "Hey, you've realized the stuff that's out there right now has already taken three people," you might think twice about it. Not guaranteed, of course, but it might give you some pause. So it's a way to engage and hopefully start addressing some of the problems we're having. Oh, okay. I mean, that's that's all interesting data <laughs> to, and uh, take on how to, I guess, take the data and uh, repurpose it. Um, awesome. Well, um, a, a couple more questions. So uh, uh, typically I talk with entrepreneurs on this podcast. So what is one tool that you use that is critical in your business? Hmm. Um, might be your proprietary software. <laughs> I would say that is, that is up there. I mean, that is where I spend the majority of my time. We obviously play in databases. We The entire platform is hosted in the cloud, so there's quite a bit of that. But then we've got some great functional tools, um, either our team working tools, um, the organizational tools that they force upon me that allow me to keep my life straight. But I would say that a lot of the team working um, and project management tools, just because of how crazy things are with us right now. Absolutely, those are project management tools. Uh, any specific one that you like? Uh, we use um, Trello and Basecamp. Yep. Big fan of both of those. I know on my dev side, we use Jira. I don't play as much in that one, but. Yeah, Trello, that's a, that's a, that's the one that we use in our business. That's a good one. Yeah. 
Awesome. And then uh, last question is, uh, so what's your prediction for the industry? And, and it could be your industry. It could be anything related to flying cars, AI, cars. Um, <laughs> self-driving cars. It could be, you know, going in the, to Mars. I mean, it could be anything. <laughs> uh, going to Mars, that would be fun. I do have uh, one of um, the boring company flamethrowers on our office wall. So all about the Mars trip with uh, Elon Musk. I would say that we're going to continue to see advancements, uh, more automation, realizing that a lot of these systems um, can replace some of the, the easier tasks in a safer manner. Um, for my specific industry, I think, no pun intended, we're gonna see cannabis keep growing. Um, more states keep coming online. Uh, I, that's what I see. I mean, right? I, I totally think that that's going to be the case. I yeah. mean, by the end, I mean, you know, eventually it's everybody, maybe, maybe a couple of the states might, might be holding out for a very long time, but I, I foresee that in the next 10 years and pretty much 45 out of 50 states uh -huh. are all going to be yep. legal. So um, just continuing advancements and things speeding up. It seems that each year gets faster with our growth and uh, not just our growth, but technology is a growth and things like that. So continuous advancement and it continually getting faster. Awesome. I love it. Well, thanks so much for being here. Adam Crabtree, NCS Analytics, right? Just want to make sure I get that right. So thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you too.